12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more, on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate Lloyd Finley and Mayhew Lake's birthdays, do some counting, get some kicks, and take a musical trip to American Samoa. Last week, November 9th, marked the birth in 1883 in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, of Lloyd Calvin Finley, F-I-N-L-A-Y, to George and Ella Finley, both amateur musicians. By age eight, the family had moved to Minnesota, and young Lloyd began taking music lessons from Leopold Auer, who had been a bandmaster in the Royal Navy, but was now the town banker. While still a teenager, after a few years of studying the violin, Finley began traveling with various road shows, but shortly after the turn of the century, the show he was with went bust and he found himself broke and stranded in Yankton, South Dakota. At the time, Yankton was home of the South Dakota State Asylum for the Insane, and fortunately for Finley, the institution was looking for a director for their amusement hall orchestra. Although he had never before directed an orchestra, he got the job, which he held for four months until another roadshow opportunity came along, and he found himself in Oklahoma, where on April 4, 1906, he married Grace Caldison. In 1910, Finley was still in Oklahoma City working as a musician, but around 1915 arrived in Houston, Texas, where he was employed by the Interstate Amusement Company. Interstate was founded in 1905 by Carl and George Hoblitzell and operated theaters in Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, and Texas, which presented family-oriented, high-quality vaudeville acts. In 1905, Hoblitzell bought the Empire Theater in Houston and renamed it the Majestic and opened a second Majestic in 1910. The third, known as the Million Dollar Majestic Theater, opened on January 29, 1923, with Lloyd Finley as musical director of the Majestic Augmented Orchestra. Augmented because it also featured a four-manual Kilgan theater pipe organ played by Scott Bradley. The very ornate Italian Renaissance building was in a garden style with a blue ceiling and moving stars, giving the illusion of being opened to the sky, and was Houston's first theater with air conditioning. Unfortunately, the theater was demolished in 1971, and I don't know the fate of the George Kilgan Unit Orchestra. You could ring in 1925 with Lloyd Finley's orchestra at the Rice Hotel for just a $6 cover, and the orchestra was heard regularly on WEAY Houston from the Rice Roof. But after that, Lloyd Finley disappears from Houston newspapers. At the time of his death in Houston on May 10, 1937, he was manager of the 1,132-seat Tower Theater, another Hoblitzel interstate property. In 1919, Finley L. Birch of Sanger Brothers of Dallas, the largest department store in Texas, 
wrote to the Victor Talking Machine Company telling them about the Majestic Theater Orchestra, directed by Lloyd Finley, and asked the company to take the orchestra to Camden to play and record. Birch said he had known Finley for 15 years, that he considered the orchestra second to none in the interpretation of jazz and blues, and guaranteed that Sanger Brothers would buy enough Finley records to make the investment worthwhile. Victor didn't bring Finley to New Jersey, but in March of 1925 they did send a field recording unit to Houston and recorded six tunes by the band, and here are three of them, one from each of the three days the band recorded. Thank you. 
Here's a fun record, The Shimmy Foxtrot Rope'em Cowboy, subtitled Hootenanny, written by Eddie Willis. That's take two of five on March 19, 1925. Before that, from the day before, Mama Won't You Come and Mama Me, 
That also required five takes to get right, but take four was issued. Other than Lloyd Finley, the only other members of the band we know of were Joe Bell on violin and Segarellis on piano. And Segarellis wrote Mama. Ellis began his career in the early 20s as a pianist playing for a Houston radio station, and these were his first recordings. He also recorded two piano solos, which were unissued, but they did lead to his being invited to Victor's studio in Camden, where he cut a number of piano solos, some of Victor's earliest electrical recordings. Four were issued, and of course Segarellis went on to become a vocalist, band leader, and songwriter. We started off with You'll Want Me Back Someday, another Ellis tune with a nice piano solo on that March 17, 1925 recording. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. There's been some serious counting going on around the country lately, and so we're going to do some counting of our own, beginning with Victor Sylvester and his ballroom orchestra. Thank you. 
Tell her you love her each day Bring her a little bouquet Give her your tender caresses It's the little things that count Tell her the dinner was great Don't let a compliment wait Mention how pretty her dress is It's the little things that count Each little sign of affection Will brighten her day You are her dream of perfection So keep it that way Thank her for all she may do She'll be so grateful to you If you will always remember It's the little things that count
the ambassadors who were counting the days on Vocalion 14778 in February of 1924. Counting the Days was composed by Jess Kirkpatrick and Earl Burtnett, and although this was an instrumental, there are words which were written by Harry David Kerr. And by my count, it's 65 days. Before the Ambassadors, Jan Garber and his orchestra, June 14, 1938, reminding us on Brunswick 8167 that it's the little things that count. Haven Gillespie wrote the words to Seymour Simon's tune. And Victor Sylvester and his ballroom orchestra started this counting segment, reminding us of another important lesson, don't count your chickens before they hatch. That Parlophone 78, number F814, was made June 2, 1937, and Don't Count Your Chickens was written by Leo René. Victor Marlborough Sylvester was born February 25, 1900, and in 1922 won the first World Ballroom Dancing Competition. Sylvester originated strict tempo ballroom dancing in the 1930s, meaning that his recordings conformed precisely to the beats per minute recommended by the Imperial Society of Teachers of Dancing, an international dance teaching and examination board based in London. He led his orchestra for over 35 years. Last week I played American Trumpeter by Mayhew Lake and said I would try to put together a segment for him before it got too far past his birthday. October 25th marked the birth in 1879 in Southville, Mass., of composer, conductor, and arranger Mayhew Lester Lake. He studied piano, violin, harmony, and counterpoint at the New England Conservatory in Boston, and was a violinist with the Boston Symphony at age 16. At 21, he was chief conductor of the Teatro Peyret in Havana, Cuba, where he stayed for 10 years, before moving to New York to begin arranging and composing for concert bands. In 1913, he became editor-in-chief of band and orchestral music at Carl Fisher, a position he held for 35 years. His textbook, The American Band Arranger, was published in 1920. He became a member of ASCAP in 1924, taught at Columbia and New York University, and conducted his band, Symphony in Gold, for NBC Radio. Lake published more than 3,000 arrangements, often under pseudonyms including Alfred Byers, Paul Dillac, Charles Edwards, Robert Hall, and William Lester. Mayhew Lake died March 16, 1955, at Palisades Park, New Jersey. He was a lover of ragtime and composed two rags, The Rag Baby in 1916 and Toreador Humoresque, a ragtime travesty on Carmen two years later. Unfortunately, I don't have recordings of those, but I do have these three. Thank you. 
Brothers, another fun record with all sorts of musical effects. Flirting Whistler, performed by Conway's band with Patrick Conway directing, from Victor 17850, recorded August 5, 1915. We started our tribute to Mayhew Lake with the novelty foxtrot The Clown Dance, also by Conway's band. The xylophone on Victor 18142 from July 11, 1916 is played by Victor's staff percussionist, William H. Wrights. In between was a characteristic march with the uncharacteristic title, The Joker. Suze's band was directed by Arthur Pryor from Victor 17125, recorded May 15, 1912. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Last week, I played Get Your Kicks on Route 66, and in this segment, you're going to get kicked again. Musically, that is.
stop picking my heart around Stop letting me down Stop making a football of our love Don't go out where we used to go Where we danced until three Don't see people we used to know They may ask about me Please give love another chance Don't throw it away Your heart may be hurt like mine someday Don't joke about all those things I thought were sacred to you And stop kicking my heart around Cause it's beating just for you Get a kick out of corn Have since the day I was born Don't care nothing about getting hep Corny music has pep Whoa, talk all you want about swing I hate the blankety thing My kind of music's as good as yours I get a kick out of corn You can't go wrong on any old song That has that rip-tip-tippy When I'm on and I'm pausing turkey in the store that just drives me jiffy, yippee! Give me the razzmatazz, that good old American legends. Oh, that's what I call criticism. I get the kick out of corn, corn sonnet. I get the kick out of corn, I really mean it. I get the kick out of corn.
any old song that has that rippy-tippy-tippy When Ma and Paul sing turkey in the straw And a two-pants suit will give me the razzmatazz A good old American jazz oh, That's what I call pretty slip I get a kick out of corn, darn sorry I get a kick out of corn, oh dipsy doodle I get a kick out of corn, it's nearly over I get a kick out of corn, this is the end now I get a kick out of corn That's the Triple R debut of Ford Leary and his boys with I Get a Kick Out of Corn. Written by Harold Adamson and Bernie Hannigan on Bluebird 11031, recorded in early 1940. Trombonist and vocalist Ford Leary was born September 5, 1908 in Lockport, New York. He was married and had a son, but apparently left them for a musical career. He was with Frank Trumbauer, Bunny Berrigan, and Larry Clinton in the late 30s, and Charlie Barnett, Mike Riley, and Muggsy Spanier in the 40s. He was in the Broadway musical Follow the Girls in 1944 when he suffered a serious back injury from which he never recovered, and he died in Bellevue on June 4, 1949. I Get a Kick Out of Corn was more popular than you might imagine. Leary's recording was also released on Regal Zonophone in Australia, and the song was also recorded by Tiny Hill and Will Bradley. Before Ford Leary, a late recording by Abe Lyman and his Californians from August 29, 1939, Stop Kicking My Heart Around, written by George Jessel and Paul Fredericks. That's from Bluebird 10407, and the flip side is The Monkeys Have No Tails in Pago Pago. Hmm, maybe... We kicked off the set with Joseph Samuels' Music Masters from around April of 1922 and Kiki Koo from Banner 1066. The full title of the song is Kiki Koo, Kiki Koo, You for Me and Me for You. George W. Meyer wrote the music, and there are words by Sam M. Lewis and Joe Young, which are sung by Billy Murray and Ed Smalley on their recording made a couple of months later. Well, I hadn't planned on it, but for this final segment of the show, we're going to take a musical trip to Pago Pago, which, of course, is the capital of American Samoa, located on the main island of Tutuila. As an American territory, it's the southernmost U.S. capital and the only one located in the Southern Hemisphere. And as you've already been made aware, the monkeys have no tails in Pago Pago. That I was told Monkeys have no tails in Pego Pego They haven't any it Where monkeys sit Ain't that too bad Oh, when they fly through the trees How slowly they go But if they had a tail How they could sail It's awfully sad Pego. They sit around all day and moan and wail 
try all the latest things for growing tails But no matter what they use, it fails It's a shame, it's a shame They are something, there is no one that they can blame They use lemon juice, shallot fruit, and even hops and all But where does it get them in the end? Oh. 
Thank you. 
Starting around 1912, dozens of features, shorts, and television shows have been filmed on and in the waters around Catalina Island, including the 1924 silent picture The Vanishing American, for which the film crew brought 14 bison to the island from the Great Plains. The production company ran out of money before they could be returned after filming, so now there's a managed herd of about 150 bison on the island. A less impactful film was 1940's South of Pago Pago, starring Victor McLaughlin, John Hall, and Francis Farmer, the underwater scenes of which were filmed at Catalina. The film is actually available on DVD, and its theme song, South of Pago Pago, is sung by a large chorus as background music throughout the picture. We just heard Carl Ravasa's commercial recording of South of Pago Pago from Bluebird 10833, recorded July 26, 1940. South of Pago Pago was composed by Lou Pollock with the words by Chet Forrest and Bob Wright. Before that, from a 1947-78 on the Bell Records label, number 1-165, It was Pago Pago, performed by Pua Almeida and his Club Pago Pago Orchestra. The Club Pago Pago wasn't located in Pago Pago, but in Honolulu, Hawaii, and was owned by Molly Kennison, who doesn't sound Hawaiian at all. What's even more bizarre is that she owned a second Club Pago Pago on the mainland in Colton, California, of all places, about 10 miles from where I live. I know. We started this Pago Pago set with Abe Lyman and his orchestra with The Monkeys Have No Tails in Pago Pago, with a vocal by Rose Blaine. It was recorded by Victor in Chicago on August 29, 1939, and also released on the Montgomery Ward label. Vic Shane and Don Ray wrote the music, and Jerry Seelan and High Arzit the words. The Monkeys Have No Tails in Pago Pago is not to be confused with The Monkeys Have No Tails in Zamboanga, the official march of the 27th Infantry Regiment. The 27th Regiment was formed in 1901 to serve in the Philippines, which is where Zamboanga is located, and the song was very popular among soldiers in World War II. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. And as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.